here, the Senior Citizen Metro card. <laughs> I've been wanting that joker for about 30 years, and God blessed me to get a little bit older to get my Senior Citizen Metro card. It's half price on everything, the ride, and the whole thing goes along with that. So I just thought I'd share that with you. For those that, you know, trying to be seniors, you go right on. And uh, so I got that, and now I'm thoroughly content that I can get on Metro and not pay the full price. So I'm, I'm happy with that. So that's just a little bit. I'll probably share more as we go through service, but I want you just to have a good idea on, um, on here. And been knowing your pastor for the last 15, 20 years. We have worked on some things together and within the community while I was in Falls Church, and he was up here on this part of the county. Let us pray. Thank you, God. Love us and fill us with the very beauty of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for all and ask that your presence be real in Scripture this day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. In the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, verses 21 through 42, find these words. And you're welcome to stand if you want to or remain seated. It's up to you. One of the keys to Mark is the word immediately. Mark believed in moving fast, immediately. 521 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up before him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about him in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and people wailing and wailing loudly. 
And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. And at this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for God's people. Let's eat. Let's eat. The scripture that you have heard today is taken from the book of Mark, is uh, looked upon and taken from what is known as one of the synoptic gospels. And the synoptic gospels consist of Mark, Luke, and Matthew, with Mark being the oldest one, and Luke and Matthew abstracting from the book of Mark. Mark is looked upon in terms of a gospel of quickness and fastness. If you notice how many times the word immediately was in this passage. Everything happened quickly in, in a sense of order in terms of what's going on. Jesus is caught in terms of crossing over to the other side of a body of water and then a crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. A lot of his teachings and a lot of his ministries took place by the sea and he would go out on the boat, sit on a cushion, and then talk to the people in the shore because that sort of served as an amphitheater. A, a synagogue leader named Jairus, which means Jehovah enlightened, uh, came up to him. This was a very prominent leader, but he comes from out of his own faith journey as a Jew, and he asked Jesus, which says that there has to be a sense of humility of Jairus to be from here to go to Jesus and deal with whole thing of leaving his status and going to the one that could make a difference in his life and in his daughter's life. It's equivalent to when, when you're up against the wall and things are going so, so hard, you find pride will go out the door when you need to do what you need to do, when you need to do it for the reasons that you need to do it. So Jairus goes to Jesus and could care less who sees him, but he also had to deal with himself in terms of his own humility. He had to step off his pedestal and come down to this Jew named Jesus and ask him for help. So Jairus asked him for help, and keep in mind the book of uh, Mark is the whole thing of travel, travel, moving, 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 and immediately, so in the process, a crowd begins to gather. But prior to this crowd gathering, and prior to the next part and point of the travels, the um, disciples and them begin to question and ask him, in terms of Jairus, why are you coming to Jesus? So they begin to look at him as Jairus goes from this, this state of stability and nobility and leadership in the temple and the community to now falling down on his knees to this person called Jesus. 
Where there is hope and where there is faith, you find yourself being able to fall on your knees a whole lot easier than if you thought you was at the top of your game. So Jairus came off his pedestal, if you please, and he went to Jesus and he did something that a person of his status normally would not do. He started begging. Do something. My daughter is dead. My daughter's at the point of death. My daughter is, is in this state of a coma or as one part of the passage says, asleep. But what I do know is that my daughter is not well. Have you ever seen that take place? When you think your child is not in good health and in a good state, don't you find yourself pulling on more power than you ever had to pull before? And so Jairus was caught in that parental concern and that parental issue that I got to do something. I know there's something else I can do because it's my child. And so he goes and he starts begging. And then he says, if, I, if you just come to my house then, and just come into the situation, Jesus, then I know everything will be all right. So he went and in the process of moving from one point to another, a large crowd starts gathering around Jesus. In that crowd, and you've heard this story more than, than once, in that crowd there was a woman who had what was known as an issue of blood or hemorrhages, depending upon your translation. This is the New Revised Standard Version translation. She was having hemorrhages and had it for 12 years. She went to doctor upon doctor upon doctor upon doctor. And then she found out that every doctor she went to took her money and she was not feeling better at all. I went through a situation a couple, a couple years ago where I developed this cough. I went to two doctors and they kept on saying it was one thing, went to my primary care uh, as a third doctor because it's up in Winchester. And next thing I know, he said, well, what you had was what they call seasonal asthma. And I'm like, what in the Sam Hill is seasonal asthma? And so finally he gave me an inhaler, gave me this. I had tried these cough pearls. I tried, um, I shouldn't tell you, I tried the cough syrup with codeine and all this stuff was going through and working all. It did not stop the cough. You can go sometimes from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and you still can't get the resolution you think you should have. But then that lets you know that when you have a doctor in Jesus, a lot of things can be healed and taken care of. Whether through your faith or whether through the doctors that are working on you and they are being used as instruments of grace. So she had been going, now she's penniless. Now she's on the verge of homeless. Now she's on the verge of not having that much. And she got and pushes through and touches just the hem of his garment. And so she touches him and the next thing he felt something coming through him, she felt something coming through her, and then he raised the question, somebody touched me. So the disciples thinking that Jesus is losing it a little bit, you in a crowd, Jesus, somebody's gonna touch you. You got people all around you, Jesus, somebody's gonna touch you. And so she, he begins to tell him, no, this is a little bit different. Because see, the fascinating thing with Jesus is when faith is put into the process 
and Jesus is put into the process, faith in Jesus, and you're willing enough to be touched by Jesus' grace, will, and love, then you find power on top of power begins to take place. When faith causes you to reach out, love causes you to reach down. And as it's put so simply so often that when prayers go up, blessings come down. And so when you begin to look in terms of what Jesus is all about, and Jesus is about building up, and Jesus is about giving life, and Jesus is about restoring, Jesus is about bringing wholeness, Jesus is about regenerating, Jesus is about making you whole one more time and experiencing the fullness of the totality of who you are as a person. Jesus is about letting you know you are still somebody in God's sight. So she reaches out, his grace and love comes through him, her hemorrhaging stops, and guess what? She now has a full life one more time. Think about this little sentence. Just think about it for a moment. Jesus stopped the bleeding for her to have life. Think about that. Jesus stopped her bleeding for her to have life and to have it more fully. So she goes through and her suffering is now over with and she begins to go through and talk about what has taken place. And if you know how people act, if you got it, I got to have it too. If, if Jesus can do for you, Jesus can also do for me. So then things start getting better for her and then the next thing you know, she just let it be known that the deeper your faith is, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be made whole. So she touched him and the power came through. He wanted to know who touched her and she came up and began to look and tell everything that had happened and told him the whole truth, all based upon faith based upon touch and restoration and wholeness became real. So then on, then he says to her, go, your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your disease. So while he was speaking, some people from the leader's house, from Jerry's house, came up to Jerry's in the midst of this whole situation. And they said to Jerry's, your daughter is dead. Jerry's is up here along the road with Jesus. And people are coming from his home, coming from his community, and you know how communities can act in terms of communicating the message. Sometimes they can be accurate, and sometimes they are not accurate in terms of their communication. So they're telling Jairus, Jairus, basically they're saying to Jairus, you should have been home. But we got news for you, Jairus. Your daughter is now dead. Jesus is standing there, Jesus is listening. And then Jesus overhears what is being said to Jairus. Don't you like that? Jesus is over here listening <laughs> to Jairus and his friends. And you know how, how folks in church and religious folks, they love to carry the bad news first. I know you don't have that great little Zion. They like carrying bad news first and carry it so fast and be so inaccurate and be so wrong and then want to sit righteous in church. Amen. 
They want to carry that news so fast. Those families and friends and, and everyone, they were faster than the internet of that day and time. <laughs> and they carried it. Jairus, and he's standing there with Jesus. Jairus, your, your daughter's dead. Now, what kind of news do you need to hear in front of somebody else? Come, they didn't even say, uh, Jairus, can you step over here for a moment and let me talk to you? They couldn't wait to tell it. And it's, a, it's unfortunate that good news don't travel faster, but bad news can travel the, the quickest you can ever imagine and be completely wrong. So here they said, uh, they said to, to Jairus, said he heard no one. Uh, they began to um, say to Jairus, your daughter's dead. And then the people said, well, why trouble? Listen to this. Why trouble Jesus? when your daughter's dead. Do you see the, the juxtaposition of that? Why trouble Jesus when your daughter's dead? That's the time you need to trouble Jesus. And so they begin to say, if she's dead, you don't need him anymore. And the whole thing. But the good thing about it, and I think many of us have been in this position, when you think... It's all over. God is just beginning. And so then Jesus responds and says to the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, which is, a very, which is very comforting and solace, and says to Jesus, do not fear, only believe. But, but Jairus could have easily said, but Jesus, these people, my friends, my good friends, leaders of the synagogue, leaders of this community say she's dead. He could have gone back and forth, but Jesus said, I'm going to cut it off right now. All you got to do is have no fear, just believe. So Jesus then, and if you keep this in mind as I'm saying it to you, Jesus then begins to move toward Jairus' house. And what Jesus does is he takes with him only a couple folks. And you have to sort of look at the passage from this point of view. Because certain company can either pull you down or certain company can support you up. So what happened was Jesus, after all this negativity and stuff, came from out of the house and out of the community, and that she's dead, dead, and dead, and everybody's repeating as fast as they can. Why would Jesus want these negative people to be in the house of Jairus when he arrives? What he's about to do calls for positivity. What he will be doing calls for faith. What he will be doing calls for a foundation in your belief and principles. And if you have any doubt whatsoever, you and Jesus won't get that much done. So he says, he says to the crowd, you go about your business right now. I'm going to take Peter, James, and John and the brother of James with me along with Jairus. Now, I don't know about you, but if you count that up, that's almost five faithful people. It doesn't take a whole 10,000 people in order for something good to be done, especially within God's house and within God's, God's body of believers. All it takes is one person to believe and God can work miracles. And so here, 
Here he takes his five faithful, not numbers. It's not about numbers in this passage. It's about faithfulness. It's about saying deep inside, I know God will make a way. I know God will work with the situation. I know, I know, I know, I know that God will be the source of grace and that something positive will come out this situation. And the last thing you need is somebody coming in and saying nothing will change and things will always be the same. They said that the last seven words of a dying church is this sentence. We've always done it this way. That takes away some faith. Or oh, we've never done it this way. We've always done it this way. But God says with me, you're going to do it a little differently so that grace comes through there. And you will be like Jairus. You will be enlightened and you will know that I am the Lord thy God and thy people are thy people. So then he takes those five, Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and they begin to move toward Jairus' house. And when they came to the house of Jairus, he saw a commotion. And you know how homes can be when somebody just died. Everybody want to come in. Everybody want to be helpful. Some people start taking notes of what's in there they think they can get and everything else and all the other business. And they begin to look at, at, at the person. And the person hasn't even finished their last breath. And they always say, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Uh, where's the will? Did they leave the instructions? What am I going to get out of it? But he got, Jesus got rid of all of that in Jairus' house. He got the professional, and if you know, remember in biblical studies, they have what was known as professional funeral wailers and weepers. They got paid to be there. They got paid to wail the loudest. They got paid to weep. They got paid to yell out, and they got paid to beat their chest to say that death has taken place. They got paid, and when Jesus got there and saw all these characteristics and elements of death, Upon death, upon death, he opened up the door and sent them on their way. Amen. That's what we need sometimes. Sometimes we just need to say, look, I, I'm just not there on commotion, foolishness, and confusion, especially when it takes place in the church. So here comes, here comes uh, Jesus and says, let's clear out. I got my assistants, I got my five faithful ones, and I can do it and work with them. So when he entered, he, he said to them, why are you making a commotion? Why are you weeping? And he responds to them, the child is not dead. The child is, is just sleeping. Now, notice how this crowd, this commotion, this professional mourners and weepers and wailers, they then start laughing at Jesus. Ho, 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 ha, ha, ha. You don't know what you're talking about. Everything is pointing to a, a Jairus' daughter being dead. Why are you even here? Why are you taking time out to deal with this dead person? And if you remember in biblical times, the embalming techniques were not as sophisticated as they are today. So that means that upon death, the body started smelling, deterioration started taking place. Everything was looking very dismal and did not have the strength of possibility. Jesus walks into what appears to be an impossible situation with everything around, people, negative, death, just up here moving through the room. 
The child is laying there. Everything is taking place. The daddy, last word he received from his own friends from inside his own home is that your daughter is dead. And Jesus walks in and gets rid of all of the elements that are connected with death. He, his people laughed at him. And Jesus put all of them on the outside and took just the father and mother, Jairus and the mother, and those who were with him, the five disciples, and went in to where the child was. Notice how the, the sequence takes place. And then he took her by the hand and just said a Jewish phrase, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Everybody else has been putting her into death's grips and hold, which is an extraordinarily permanent set of circumstances. No possibility of a resurrection whatsoever. Everybody else put her into death, and Jesus came in and put her back into life. Jesus got her blood to running so that she may have life. With the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus stopped the blood from running so that she may have life. With Jairus' daughter, restored her blood to running so that she may have life. Jesus is about restoration, about healing, about restoring, about picking up, about refreshing, about making things new, about life and about living, about possibility, and about letting it be known that even faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be thou removed, and when God is in the midst of it, faith can make that difference and restore you along the way. It's about having that relationship with God, connecting with certain people because it's been noted that when you have communion, when you commune with the people you are familiar with, the communion experience rises up to another level. When you're with familiarity and people that you know for sure, the worship rises up with familiarity. When you worship with Jesus, when you worship and have communion with Jesus, the, the faith rises up, the spirit rises up, the hope rises up, the power rises up, and grace abounds in all that takes place, and to God be the glory. And the last passage and the last verse ends on this note for when you are in a right relationship with God, you're in a right relationship with each other. And when you know you have been through trials and tribulations, you've been through mountains, you've been through valleys, you've been through ups and you've been through downs, you have been through things and every time you thought you couldn't make it, God stepped in right on time. Every time you thought you were down, God was there to pick you up. Every time you thought you couldn't do it and you felt like giving up in church or giving up at home or giving up at work and giving up and saying, I can't take no more, that's when God comes through and restore you one more time and give you a second wind. Sometimes I feel discouraged. Sometimes I think my work's in vain. Sometimes I give the best I can. 
Sometimes I try to do everything and won't let somebody else help me out along the way. But when I take a look around and when I feel discouraged, that's when the Holy Spirit comes along and revives my soul again. <laughs> gives me life. Gives me new blood. Gives me new energy. And reminds me along the way, thou who knowest all about me, God got a way of standing with me. God got a way of blessing me. God got a way of uplifting me. And as one songwriter puts it, when nothing else would help, it was love that lifted me. Love lifts. God's grace lifts. God's healing lifts. God's power lifts. And the blood is still able to give us new strength and new power. It reaches to the lowest. It reaches to the highest. It reaches in the, into what we're going through. And the joy is even this morning as we celebrate the presence of Jesus. Be lifted up, church. Be lifted up. And the last verse in this said that when she got up, he said, don't tell nobody about it. I don't want nobody else to know about it. But what I do want you to do is give her something to eat. Do you remember when you was 12 years old? Do you remember how much you could eat at 12 years old? I remember when I was growing up, and it would make my mama so hot at times. We walked to school back then that day. We would go and come home at 3 o'clock. And the first thing we'd do before we would say hi is we would go straight to the refrigerator. Look into the refrigerator. And then this would really get her. Even now she gets a little upset when we tell her about it. Open up the refrigerator door and say, mm, ain't nothing in here. <laughs> she has gone shopping. <laughs> she done bought her groceries. She done worked hard to put some food in this house. And she's gone through all of this and traveled through D.C. to go from a job back home and stuff. And got, some, got four children that go to the refrigerator and say, mm, ain't got nothing in here today. Boy, she gets so hot with you in a minute. But the thing about it is that one of the indicators of restoration, one of the indicators you have been healed, one of the indicators that you've been made whole, one of the indicators that you feel better is when you start having an appetite and you want to eat. She was 12 years old. And to let everybody know she was all right, Jesus said, give her something to eat. That's restoration. That's power. So today, as we come around the table, have you been restored? Have you been refreshed? Have you been made whole? Have you been saved? Have you been healed? This meal is Jesus saying to you, I will feed you, I will feed you, I will feed you the bread of heaven so that when you leave from here, you will be refreshed for your journey tomorrow until the next time we come back together again. I leave you with this. Think about the various meetings and affairs you've been with. Sometimes you hear this chime, ding, dong, ding, and that lets you know something is about to happen. 
Sometimes you hear the dinner bell on a ranch and they go from side to side on the triangle. Other times you'll be like, dinner is ready. So I leave you with this. Let's eat, church. Supper time. It's time to eat. Let's eat, church. The meal is ready for us. Amen.